0: around having the empathy for the product manager. We're asking them to be ever more almost octopus-like, you know, be commercial, be strategic, be very technical, make sure you're delivering. And there's just more and more we're putting on product managers and product ops is around having empathy to help support them and enable them. So the things that I tend to see falling by the wayside are really important aspects of product management. You could call them process or not, right? So the practice of speaking to customers, I'll come in and work with a company, I'm like, oh, we're talking to customers. They're joining sales calls every week. So this is almost like a, do you want fries with that kind of conversation versus tell me about how you're using this. Tell me about what your problems are. Let's talk about how you're actually using this. Consistent inputs of data. Yes, we're data-driven. Well, show me what that looks like. Oh, well, it's really hard to get it or we don't have it instrumented. So you just dig a little bit deeper and these kind of things that really need to be enabled to help support product managers just don't exist. This is the Product Thinking Podcast. Here's your host,
1: Melissa Perry. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Product Thinking Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about product operations, and I'm joined by my co-author of our new product operations book that's coming out, Denise Tillis.
0: Hello, how are
1: you, Melissa? I'm doing good. Good to chat with you about this, Denise. Yes, love talking about it. Yeah. So for our audience, before we dive in, do you want to give a little background on yourself and what you've
0: been doing with product operations? Yeah, I have been in product for over 10 years, most of that on the operating side. And I actually experienced product operations firsthand when I was VP of product at a B2B SaaS. wasn't really called product ops then, but really saw firsthand the power that it brings to a product team. And since then kind of realized, oh, that's what we were doing, product operations. So I'm really excited to sort of share that with other teams and other companies. And I've been doing that for the past year and a half as a consultant and coach.
1: Great. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this topic too. And I think through our work at Products Labs, you and I have both seen it work really, really well at a variety of companies, growth stage through the enterprise. And to me, this is like the glue that makes product management scale and makes it work. So I was pretty surprised to read an article by Marty Kagan that came out yesterday from when we're recording this on how product ops is a joke. And he talks about how it's just process people. And I know you feel the same way, but I wanted to jump on this podcast, you know, with you to talk through this because one, I'm a little annoyed by this post, honestly, because I think it's vilifying a whole entire subset of product management and a career that people have, there are directors of product operations, there are VPs of product operations, there are tons of product ops people out there doing amazing work to make sure that product operations can help the chief product officers and help organizations actually scale. And Marty's kind of writing it off as, you know, just process and people who are like over-optimizing for scaling process and making sure that everything process is optimized.
0: And that's not what I've seen. No, not at all. And there's some really big companies that have introduced product operations to scale like Stripe and Pendo, Calendly, Amplitude. I could go on. So there's a lot of really important companies that see the value of this and continue to invest in it. So I was surprised too.
1: Yeah, so let's maybe break down what we believe is product operations for the audience. For those of you who didn't read the article yet, it's called Process People on the svpg.com blog. And Marty kind of lays out that he's seen at organizations that people who are called product operations people are being hired in massive amounts into these organizations to really dictate the different processes around specific roles like product owners and scrum masters and kind of almost get into almost like what the agile at scale people are doing right how do i mm-hmm. keep dictating the product management processes and they're treating process like a religion what do we kind of see product operations as we believe there's three core tenets of product operations and denise how would we outline those three things yeah
0: well i love the way that you framed it so succinctly yesterday it was just it's around helping teams inform and deploy and monitor their product strategy and how do we support teams with the best inputs toward that right so it's three tenets really three pillars right so business and data insights the quantitative customer and market research the qualitative and processes and practices. And when you think about processes and practices, it's not sort of a, a diktat that it has to be a certain way across a large organization. It's more about just the supporting aspects. Uh, someone told me they consider it methods, right? So just enough process around certain areas of product management to support the teams that they're not spending you know, precious cycles thinking about how do we work together, but let's get the work done, right? So I see this a lot with roadmaps. What's the template we're using? How are we deploying it? How are we working with our cross-functional stakeholders? And I've seen really large organizations get tripped up in this, and people end up working in silos, and it can really start contributing to a damaged culture.
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it, And to me, that's the process piece that Marty is kind of getting at, but the teams that he's seen doing this, I just think they're doing it wrong. We really talk about like how do you standardize the things that cut across different teams and cut across different units of the organization? so Like you said, how do we standardize roadmaps so that we don't have 40 different roadmaps? Like we've both seen chief product officers. We've been in this position before, right? Like you and me, when we come in and try to like set strategy at these organizations, you walk in, you say, what's going on? Where are the roadmaps? And somebody gives you like 50 different types of roadmaps. And you're like, wow, okay, so this is a completely different level initiative from this level on this other roadmap. And wow, this one's organized not the same way that this one is. And where are the goals and metrics on that one? And when you try to reconcile those types of things, you don't have the transparency into what's going on in the organization to be able to make critical product decisions that will impact your strategy. So I feel like when we talk about servicing process, like when we talk about creating process in organizations or standardizing these different types of artifacts or figuring out a cadence for reviewing strategy Mm -hmm. and these processes, uh, you know, we're not talking about overdoing it. Or like being like, oh, my God, this is the way your backlog must look at look like <laughs> exactly. in an organization. Yeah. yeah. But we talk about it as like, how do we make sure that this process enables us to make strategic decisions and have clarity
0: and transparency into what we do? Exactly. And, and when I work with companies and come in there and take a look at whether they have product operations enabled or they're thinking about it, it's the type of processes that get left by the wayside. And I was looking at an uh, article that Shrinivas from Calendly had put out recently in a podcast. It's around having the empathy for the product manager. We're asking them to be ever more almost octopus-like. You know, be commercial. Be strategic. Be very technical. Make sure you're delivering. And there's just more and more we're putting on product managers. And product ops is around having empathy to help support them and enable them. So the things that I tend to see falling by the wayside are really important aspects of product management. You can call them process or not, right? So the practice of speaking to customers. I'll come in and work with a company. Like, oh, we're talking to customers. They're joining sales calls every week. So this is almost like a, do you want fries with that kind of conversation versus tell me about how you're using this? Tell me about what your problems are. Let's talk about how you're actually using this consistent inputs of data. Yes, we're data-driven. Well, show me what that looks like. Oh, well, it's really hard to get it or we don't have it instrumented. So you just dig a little bit deeper these kind of things that really need to be enabled to help support product managers just don't exist. Templates we talked about being more experimental. What does that look like? Well, we don't really have time for that. We're not really sure how to do it. We have user research, but they're backed up. So it just doesn't get done. I could go on. So there's a lot of things that if we can just put a little bit of process and support around really can kickstart these PMs into really focusing on the things that matter, the strategy that enables customer value and business growth.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I like what you're saying. It's all about enablement here. And I think the even more critical part of product operations that, you know, we don't really we're talking about process right now, but we think of these three areas as, you know, getting internal data and surfacing it up to make strategic decisions, getting external data on our customers and their needs to help make strategic decisions and the processes that enable it. The game changer for me, when I've seen a lot of this is the data pieces,
0: right? Both the internal and external. Huge. Absolutely. I've worked with companies and been at companies where you get in, it's like literally none of this is instrumented into the product. So it's like, okay, we've got to go back to not even step one, but step A, how do we get this instrumented to make sure we can start getting a baseline? So that's going to take you quite a while. I've seen many teams working around this, not even taking the time to stop and instrument, the event tracking or whatever, to be able to start measuring the quantitative inputs that should be informing your strategy. So product ops is really, really powerful in this sense. They're like, wait a minute, we've got to stop. How are we measuring this? How are we doing this consistently? And it can really be transformative.
1: Yeah. And I, I think this data thing, it's such a game changer, and especially for product leaders. So product operations is really about enabling product leaders to make decisions and product managers to make decisions. So when a product leader comes into an organization or when they start as a new CPO, or even if they're there already, honestly, they just need this data Mm -hmm. to make decisions. One thing that I hear from product managers all the time is that they don't have enough time. Like you said, they're like turning into these octopus people (laughs) (laughs) who who are doing too many things. And one of the big things that they do is try to get the data out of the systems because they didn't set up the systems to actually scale or
0: provide the things they need. Exactly. Or maybe it's been done incorrectly, or they've had you know several large product introductions. And like, and that's usually, I've seen in my experience, the thing that's left on the roadside, oh, I'll get to that later. We'll add the tracking. And it's like, eh, we need to know right away how this is performing. And how do we define what success looks like? And those things get left to be defined later, if at all. And that's where you're sort of releasing and moving on and releasing and moving on and not really thinking about the full value you can get out of a product or a solution in that sense.
1: Yeah. So Denise, when you go out and actually hire these roles, what do you look for in a product operations analyst that deals with the internal data and how does that work in setting it up in an an organization?
0: Right. So it's interesting. I'm working with a large retailer right now and thinking about the right hires to make. And it's not necessarily, you're going to be instrumenting a lot of the product engagement metrics, but you're also going to be accessing inputs from cross-functional departments across the org, like finance. You may not be generating those numbers, but you need to pull them in to sort of review them and have that sort of product lens on what that means to the decisions you're making, right? So you need to be able to hire someone who's really great at crunching the numbers, but really more importantly, how they can extract the so what is what I call it out of that. What's the actionable insight? I want a product analyst to tell me, to tell me as a product manager, here is this opportunity or here is, you know, a challenge that a lot of our users are having. This could be an opportunity if we experimented with A, B, or C. And a person like that is worth their weight in gold. And I've hired a few of them like that, but they're really hard to find. And you need someone that's almost a diplomat too to be able to get that Data from across the org, help them understand how we're using it as a product team, why we're using it as a product team, and making sure that they're on board with that. So it it really is sort of a diplomat, number person, and then someone who's strategic and can really have critical thinking about what this means and what they're looking at, tell that story. So, what types of roles or backgrounds would we hire these people from? That's a great question. Everybody asks me that. It's hard to find. It could be someone who'd been on maybe a data science side. It could be someone that maybe had been in market research on a more number crunchy type of way. I've hired folks from ad ops, believe it or not, and they were great. But I think what really is the key here is having someone at the director level who really knows how to do this and can sort of implement an I do, you do type of situation. So you need to have, you know, sort of good clay in a sense, people who have that mindset, but can be shaped, but it's a hard role to hire for. It really is. And then when I work with companies, they say, well, we want process too. So we'll find that person who can do both. And in my mind, that's kind of a purple squirrel, really, really hard to find, right? So when companies are thinking about product ups, they really have to think where the biggest deficit and opportunity is and whether that's on the data side or the process side, higher into that and then build out from there.
1: Yeah. And I think the point is too, like these people don't need to be product managers. Like that's not the nope. same... I want them to have a product mindset because I want them to think about like automating and scaling and empathy and, you know, understanding stakeholder needs, but, but they're not necessarily product managers and they don't need to be, they need to be really good at interpreting data and insights. I think the other point to make too, is they come with ideas of what we could work on or surfacing up insights, but they're not necessarily making those decisions. And I see a lot of teams try to roll out this like separate product strategy Role into product operations, or they say, "Oh, our product operations people just end up being product managers." Like that's mm-hmm. not the point of this role. It's just yeah. enablement. It's just like exactly. helping to streamline and get insights up.
0: Exactly, exactly. And the product manager is in the driver's seat, and product operations is working closely with them on the enablement part of it. And I think that's the biggest takeaway there. And I think that's kind of an aha. You know, when we uh, teach these uh, workshops on product operations, people kind of the light bulb kind of goes off. Like, okay, I get it now. And it's not process for process sake or just data for data sake, but putting all those pieces together, having that empathy for the PM to help them be more excellent at what they do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then we've also got this kind of like customer side, right? We've got this, grab the external data and bring it inside. So we've been talking a lot about instrumenting insights out of your system up to the product managers and to the product strategy. But then there's this whole piece about like standing up, how do we democratize customer research? Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Denise? So that's an aspect that
0: gets me really excited, thinking about you know how do we democratize, I think, as you said, the qualitative aspect of the information we're getting. So when I've been leading product teams and they've been able to have that precious time to talk to customers, they do the recording, and where does it end up? It ends up sitting on their hard drive, right? Or they might share it out on Slack to their colleagues, but who has the time to listen to a 45-minute recording or watch it and maybe pull out one nugget of information that might inform their product? So it just sort of sits in a silo and never gets shared out. But what could it look like, right? To have some sort of database—nothing heavy—could be an Airtable of you know atomized insights that are tagged and you know at, saved at certain cue points of the video that everybody can use, not just product, not just everyone in the product team, but sales and marketing and the C-suite. So. I'm a big believer in that. And sometimes people ask, well, isn't that what UX research does? It is, but sometimes they're overwhelmed too. So, you know, it could be a really great partnership between product ops and UX research to put this together, but a lot of upfront work, but I think it really pays off. man.
1: Yeah. What we saw, one of the teams, it was actually like a design ops team that was under our big product umbrella at Athena Health. What they ended up doing that I absolutely loved with this was, they ended up creating a database of all of the customers that we had that opted into user yes. research or alpha testing or beta testing, and this was amazing because we had the problem there where you know we got three hundred sixty five product managers they were all going out and talking to the same hospital that they knew would say yes every single time, so we weren't actually able to get a good representative picture of here's all the different you know problems that actually exist in hospitals or smaller medical practices and all that stuff so Jen Cardello was leading this design ops team, and what they did was build this whole database. They asked all of our customers to opt in, how, much, how frequent they wanted to do it, and they built this whole database of our users, and that allowed the product managers to see who would be open to be in contact and also keep track of who they contacted, and then also know who's the account manager that I have to go talk to so that we don't step on any toes if renewals are coming up and all that stuff. And it just made it so much more accessible for the product people to go out and do the right user research. And this is another issue that I hear all the time from product managers is that they spend all their time just recruiting people yes. for user research. Yes. So this exactly this cuts it down. It puts the time back in their hands to actually do the important work. So when we talk a lot about this side of the stuff too, it's not about doing the user research for these people. It's about capturing those insights and making sure they're well known because Again, when you have 365 product managers or a thousand product managers or 2000 at a lot of these companies, how do you know if somebody, you know, in a different business line was investigating the same problem you were and you exactly. could actually have all those insights, you know, instead of going out and doing all that research over again, or you're refining your research based off the insights that you learned from somebody else.
0: Exactly. I think what you hit on is so key, the user management, so to speak, of these customers and I've been in organizations where sales is very protective, right, of, of contacting these customers. And like you mentioned, for renewal, or maybe there's some, some challenging aspects of that relationship. But you know, the more transparency you can give to it, and they understand and it, can see how often they've been pinged. And it can also be used as kind of a nice enhancement to the sales relationship, too, that you know, our product development team would like to speak with you and nothing to do with sales. So done right, it can be very, very powerful. There's also the market research side of it. I feel like sometimes
1: as product managers, we don't pay attention to the market research side because we are very much like, hey, we need to just talk to users, talk to users. And I'm not saying don't talk to users, definitely do that. But if you want to quantify what the opportunity for something is out there, or you want to learn about different trends or how markets are moving, you need the market research side of it as well. So actually getting subscriptions to you know Capital IQ and Forrester and Gartner and all these different things that are going to tell you how things are moving and help you bring that information into your strategic decision making is going to be key here. So that side of it, combined with this democratizing the user research part from a perspective of sharing inputs, making it easier to get in touch with people, I think that's a huge pillar of product ops that we need to be able to do our jobs as product managers better.
0: That's exactly it. and I, That's the area that I see most neglected too when I come in and work with companies or even when I'm working with folks that have signed up for our workshop. That's the area they have the least experience in and often the area they're like, man, eh, we'll get to it. But it's so important. It's so important.
1: So we kind of went over these three different pillars. We've got yeah. internal data and insights surfacing up these reporting, being able to really look at like, what's my cost per product? What's my revenue per product? How does that look over customer segmentation? What's the monitoring of our strategy? Are we on track for success? We Mm -hmm. talked about what process is actually used for. And then we also talked about what we would do to democratize user research and customer research and market market research to inform it. And at the end of the day, though, this is going to look very different at different size companies. And one of the things that Marty said in his post was that we shouldn't really be scaling through process. We should be scaling Mm -hmm. through product leaders. I don't quite agree with that what do you think today?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I totally agree. Being able to scale is through strong leadership, but your leaders are not the ones going out and instrumenting the tracking in your product, right? Or they're not the ones sort of breaking down user research or thinking about what should our outcome driven roadmap look like, right? They're not doing that. And that's still going to be undone and an opportunity to really help jumpstart your product manager. So I see that as sort of a, hand-in-hand type of opportunity yeah that kind of struck me as well you have to have both you have to have both we've talked about sort of the process and practices and that product ops can help support sort of that community of practice and spot coaching when it's needed and it's not taking the place of the leaders you know it's making sure what's the framework we're working with with our product managers are some taking this training and some are doing another and are we speaking the same language and we're working with one another so to me, it's about consistency and, and just keeping an eye on these things that are so easy to drop when you start scaling rapidly. I agree with you. It's more of a, I don't agree with Marty, but I think
1: what's happening is that he's seeing, and I know part of this is true because we've talked about it on our podcast when Marty and I got together, was he seeing this at really large companies and yeah, there's a bunch of large companies going through transformations that are not doing the right things. and they need more product leaders for sure, like real product leaders, So what they do is they typically take subject matter experts, and then they turn them into product leaders. And then they want to scale through all these product owners on the ground floor who usually don't have experience, and they don't have enough leadership to actually make the strategic decisions. But whether you're a large company or a small company, you still need product ops. The other argument I would make is that If you're a growth stage company or a smaller scale-up type company, like let's say you've got 100, 200 people and you've got a VP of product, you cannot Mm -hmm. afford to scale through product leadership. But you still need, yeah, like I don't have the money for that. Like product leaders cost so much money. We both know we have to hire them all the time for their (laughs) clients. And then when they find out what salaries they get. Everybody's
0: like, "What? <laughs> yeah, we don't need that, we don't need that, but again, I think it's really kind of two different solution points there. You definitely need the leadership to sort of point to where we want to go strategically and the opportunities in the marketplace, but how are we supporting that and making sure we're focusing on the right things that are driving value and and that's where product ops comes in, so it's really it's a hand in hand type of
1: yeah, so I think like when you look at larger companies, product ops does. You need to have all three pillars of product ops as well. I imagine they're starting from a process perspective, probably just because they're not up to speed with that, right? Like they they just don't have the skill sets and people just don't mm-hmm. have the tools that are needed to standardize these processes or work that way. But mm-hmm. you don't get the full value of product ops unless you're doing the other data pieces of it as well.
0: Exactly. That's exactly. It. You have to be doing sort of all of those. but that's sort of a case study that we do in the workshop. It's like, okay, let's figure out the roadmap for a fictitious company and, and sort of give them a, a case study problem scenario. It's like, well, you know, we do need a process for roadmapping, but we don't have data to inform the roadmap. So it's, it's a hard choice and it's not black and white. So you, you know, you kind of have to pick the biggest pain point and know that you're going to go back and solve for the second one. But you just have to get started with that. It's typically when I've seen product operations added to companies, it's really, you know, one by one by one. I've rarely seen a whole team hired. What about you?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I've never seen anybody just go, oh, we're going to go out there and hire 20 product operations people. (laughs) It's typically like we start with one data person. Maybe we get one person on the process side, then, then we get one person on the user research side, and then we kind of build it up around there. I also think the skill sets of product ops people, because you have three very disparate functions, they have to be different. You're not going to hire the same type of person as a product ops person across this entire area. It's more about really figuring out what you need in
0: the, each one of those cases and then going from there. Exactly, and sometimes it's a matter of someone having a, a sort of hundred foot view and saying, "All of this exists in this company, but how do we harness it?" Right. So it doesn't necessarily have to be you know created from the ground up, but it's about making sure that these resources and these data inputs are harnessed and put together with that product lens to help support the product managers to be as strategic as they can, to focus their work on the company um, strategy and vision, and just making sure that you're aligning to that value. It really comes back to that value, customer value and business value. Exactly. So
1: maybe we'll just leave you with a couple companies that we see doing this well, and then you can tune in, for when the book is out, if you want to be <laughs> notified <laughs> of when it launches, go to productoperations.com and sign up for the mailing list and we will we will tease you with some little little things up until it launches. But I could think of a couple off the top of my head, Denise, and then you know, chime in too. But we talked about Calendly, we talked right. about Athena Health, Pendo, Stripe. What other ones have we seen this way? Amplitude,
0: they've got a great guy there who came from Uber who's really doing a lot of good stuff. We're seeing... They're, like you mentioned, I can't really say the name yet, but a, a large retailer is, is planning to add probably close to a team. It, so that's a little different from the one by one by one. We've seen a lot of different companies and not just B2B. B. we have seen it at B2C as well. It's really across the board. A Facebook, I believe, as well has that. As, so it's across the, the spectrum of different types of companies. So it's not a religion. It's not a process.
1: It is enablement. Exactly. And I think that's the point here. So that's our views on product operations. So Marty, we'd welcome a dialogue with you on this, but I think you just haven't seen people do it well. And I I think you'd be really impressed if you did. So I agree that there's probably some people out there not doing product operations well, but we see so many people who are. And Denise and I firmly believe that this is something that really helps you scale It's not just, you know, process hungry people over there, like agile coaches trying to optimize this stuff. It's really about enabling product leadership and enabling product managers to make the right decisions to really inform your strategy, monitor your strategy, and deploy your strategy throughout your organization. Like that's what we see it be powerful for. So we hope everybody on here will read our book when it comes out, productoperations.com if you want to get ahead of it. And then Denise also teaches workshops on product operations throughout the year. So if you go to productslabs.com and go to training, you can see when ones are coming up. She just taught one yesterday. So always teaching good product ops uh, workshops on this stuff as well. So thank you so much, Denise, for joining me. This has been a really fun topic of conversation. I know we're both passionate about it. So definitely keep an eye out for workshops that are coming up. And otherwise, we will see you on the next episode of the product thinking podcast that comes out every Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe and share this episode if you found it helpful. Thanks very much.